Hello everybody, welcome or welcome back to b and Anime. I am Blue. Brad is below me today on my screen, but... Uh, well, it's the opposite of what we had last week. So, Brad is around in some direction. I am round. That is that is a correct statement. <laughs> and I got me a matcha today. What you drinking? I have Pepsi Zero. Nice. Nice. And now it's already almost gone. Ooh. Um, but today we're doing something a little bit different. Yeah, we broke convention because, I mean, why not? It's it's our show, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yeah, and while we're, like, nerds, we are also, like, nerds, you know? So, like, yeah. like we, do, we like anime shit, but we also fall down other rabbit holes at times. And one of the rabbit holes that we fell down many a time. Is Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, you see, it's one of those things to where, as streamers, content creators, you know, the whole nine yards, if there's one thing that could not escape either of our grasps at some point in our lives, it was Five Nights at Freddy's. I've streamed most of the games. I've played pretty much all of them. I think the only one I didn't play was Security Mm. Breach, and that's because I was like, fuck it, I'll watch Markiplier Mm -hmm. play it. So... But yeah, outside of that, I've played pretty much all the games. So I figured, you know what? Let's let's branch out a little bit. Let's diversify. Do something. Do something different. Yeah, and this is, I mean, like, nerd culture. <laughs> nerd culture is very vast, and we all have our little areas. But I feel like Five Nights at Freddy's expanded all of them because it was in fan fiction nerd culture. It was in. Um, it's like in science and robotics um nerd culture it's in uh like spooky movie lore <laughs> like it's in yep. is you get the you get the um what are those guys that do the the deep voices and they read scary stories online like on youtube and stuff <laughs> it got those guys like five nights of freddy's expanded every nerd culture i can possibly think of there was fan art of it there was anime drawings of the characters like manga drawings of the characters like it was so vast and then went mainstream and they were like selling the toys at toys r us and stuff and that was blowing my mind because i was like this is a horror game like okay yep (laughs) god i remember whenever they first came out with that first line of adorable plushes that they were selling at gamestop and i was like i'm a buy yeah yeah um like the games are subpar horror mm-hmm. games to because it's all just cheap jump scares mm-hmm. but it's still an enjoyable experience if you you know enjoy that thing of uh like just horror games in general mm-hmm. and i've i've always been a huge uh connoisseur of horror games so therefore i was more than happy to jump on the trend but just how quickly this franchise exploded thanks to content creators and just what it became is just baffling yeah yeah the only thing that i can really equate it to would be minecraft like is like a smaller couple of game designers developers building something that then just blows up in such a way that's like bizarre almost like unexpected yeah um mm-hmm. but the the franchise of five nights at freddy's was Really interesting because I think of the backstory that people started interpreting behind everything. I think that's probably why it did so well. Because like you said, they're not 
amazing quality horror games. They're like a, a fairly simple <laughs> click, mm-hmm. like point and click kind of like. Yeah. like they're not they're not extravagant, but it was the the backstory that was what really kind of sparked all of the interest into um and something that i think most of us like can relate to as being creepy but not overdone it hit a very good niche because like mm-hmm. i think we saw like the paranormal activities and all this kind of stuff we got like kind of overdone in the horror genre but like the new robots and then something that targets like your childhood nostalgia it was just a very clever combination that really, um, yeah, it did well. Yeah. I mean, especially because a lot of us Americans grew up with Chuck E. Cheese's mm-hmm. around us. And so, therefore, it definitely hit like that, like childhood nostalgia and also creep factor in mm-hmm. a way. But now I can 100% say without a shadow of a doubt, I'm never going near fucking Chuck E. Cheese again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I've never been if to any a Chuck E. Cheese. I'm not going to a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, no, not doing it again. If any of my nieces, nephews, godchildren, whatever, have to or want to take a fucking trip to Chuck E. Cheese, no, <laughs> I refuse. Yeah, no, I'm never going. I'm never going. That's it's awful. Because <laughs> the closest I really got was at like some theme parks, you would get um like robotics with like either in rides or as like just a side attraction but Mm -hmm. my my primary like amusement entertainment park that I went to growing up was called Farming World and uh it was basically an elaborate petting zoo but petting zoos aren't really (laughs) a thing in the UK so it was like a functioning farm that they then had a couple play areas like outdoor big um play structures and um and then you would basically just go there and hang out with a bunch of animals and yeah farming well i think it went bust in the recession but that was my primary my primary entertainment <laughs> part growing up was farming world i mean hey what whatever works <laughs> and that's how you can tell you grew up in the country except not that country i grew up in english countryside <laughs> <laughs> oh i know nothing about the english countryside but I do know something about being incredibly Southern and from the South. So I'm going to sit here and go through many of the different Southern accents. Now I believe I have settled on Louisiana. So this is where we are going to be for the remainder of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because we're both Southerners, but very different. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Like very, very different cultures. Yeah, because yeah, I'm also a Southerner. Um, from Kent, which we established in the last episode. Speaking of last episode, which was um, Vinland Saga, there was the hitting on that anime track. We are an anime podcast, so we will talk a little bit about anime, even when we're not doing anime. Just, just, just a little, little bit. bit. <laughs> um, but there was one thing that was like pissing me off throughout the show the whole time I was watching it, and I don't think I mentioned it in the episode. I can't remember actually talking about it. And I'm like frustrated myself, because it was the one thing that I was like, I have to talk about this, I have to talk about this. And then I don't remember bringing it up. So you have to correct me if I did, but I genuinely don't remember bringing it up. And that is the Mappa intro logo. Are you talking about like that whole intro skit with the, the motorcycle? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they did that because that's what Wit Studio did with theirs. And then mm. since they took over for Wit, they just decided to do it themselves as well, just right. to keep that going. 
but I'm not a fan. No, me either. And this is the thing is, like, I have, like, I don't mind those, like, studio videos that you put in front. Like, some of them are so classic, like DreamWorks, Disney, um, uh, the Warner Brothers one. Like, they, you can picture them as soon as you hear them, right? So I, I have nothing wrong with the idea of having a studio video. But I don't like how it completely withdrew me from the show and was confusing because of the fact that it's a historical Viking-themed anime and then you put motorbikes in the beginning and if you're watching them episode to episode and you have autoplay on or whatever, it fucks with you so bad. (laughs) It pulls you, like, right out of the show. You're, like, so hyped for the next episode. They'll have the last episode on a a cliffhanger. You want to just dive right into the next one. And all of a sudden there's motorbikes going across your screen. Like, I didn't like it at all. I mean, fair enough. Also, the fact that it's unskippable, like Crunchyroll Mm -hmm. has added a skip intro button, Mm -hmm. and you can't skip it. Not a fan. Not not a fan. Yeah. You know what else we didn't talk about? What? We didn't talk about the OPs and EDs for the second Mm. season. Mm Mm-hmm. Them shits were good. (laughs) One of the EDs, the first ED, it's, there's a section in it that sounds exactly like um, you bless the rain stand in Africa. What is it like? I can't. Toto. I don't know that song. Uh huh. If you think of that song while watching the first ED, and it'll click. You know, I downloaded the songs and I've been listening to them. I've kind of made it a point for like the new anime seasons, and then also just what we're covering on the podcast in general to like mm-hmm. make a playlist and listen to it. I don't think I caught that, but now I'm going to have to go listen after this because yeah. you have piqued my interest. <laughs> By the way, we are having these conversations two weeks before that episode is going to go out because I have skipped our backlog just so we can do this and release it in a timely manner. <laughs> because yeah, the film yeah. just came this out was, and yeah. Halloween is a couple days from time of recording. Yeah. So, yeah, we are... Um, Vinland Saga will be out in two weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you listen to that one, remember all of this that we're talking about now. Yeah, it'll keep it in your brain. So that way, whenever yeah. you go watch Vinland Saga and then you listen to the episode, you can be like, okay, you know what? That makes sense. We're going to we're gonna roll with that. And then also, yeah. thanks, Blue, for pointing that out about the motorbikes, and now we're going to be pissed. <laughs> yes. I. Well, the thing that aggravated me the about it like I understand it and I understand especially if it's a nod to the original studio like I I like those aspects that's kind of cool with the, that more information not knowing that though it was frustrating to have it there especially because there have been some studios that have done really incredible jobs of having their um studio logo blend in well with the show that you're watching and funnily enough the only example that I can think of right now is Shrek <laughs> but if i remember correctly and i haven't watched shrek since i was probably about 10 um there's a guy like you have the the dreamworks man on the moon and then he's fishing and then he's fishing into shrek's swamp and it like blends into the show i think don't know may have dreamed it like i said probably watched it 15 years ago but (laughs) <laughs> that's I think that was like something like that anyway I've seen shows do that where they have like a set logo clip but they change it to adapt to the film or the content that they're making and producing 
So I guess with this being the second season to a new studio, a nod to the original studio, my issue is less with this season, but more with the first season, with that studio, with the original studio not having adapted that to fit more in. And I'd be interested to go back and listen to our first Finland um, saga podcast for the first season and see if I mentioned it there, because I feel like it would have bugged me then as well. I don't think we had that conversation. I feel like this is the first time we have discussed mm. that gripe. I can't be 100% certain. I feel like I've had I'm, this thought before, but I don't mm-hmm. know if I actually verbalized it. Yeah, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll uh yeah. we'll see. Now uh, now I kind of want to go scrub the episode too and see what <laughs> I can come up with. Yeah. Yeah, but I just feel like I mean they could have done the same vibe, but like could you have not have done it with like chips? Like is there you can substitute what you have your your iconic logo your iconic clip and just blend it better so that you're creating that immersion from the get-go rather than having to all of a sudden reset the immersion um afterwards and it puts more um pressure on the beginning of the episode to hook a viewer Mm -hmm. because you've already gotten them one place and then you now have to bring them across to a whole nother world right like it's it's I feel like it's just too much. I feel like, too, it's too much whenever you're like us and we binge it Mm. for the podcast. Because if we had been watching this week to week, I don't feel like we would have necessarily have run into that issue as much, Mm -hmm. maybe. I'm not sure. I I don't know. I am just speaking out of my ass here. But since we are watching things in bulk, it's a lot easier to notice discrepancies Mm -hmm. like that. Mm Mm-hmm. But again, that is simply my opinion. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be curious um, to hear from people that have watched Finland Saga or like even things that aren't (laughs) Finland Saga. You know, if you've had that experience where you're watching something that is in a specific world, in this case, it was historical Viking shit. um, And then you there's like something in the beginning or like you click on like an advert happens or something like how does it feel to you? to does it does it feel the same way like is it like a slog to try and immerse yourself back into the show like i don't know i just want to know your guys your guys's thoughts and feelings because for me it's like that was just too much i was like ugh, now i have to like force myself to sit here and watch this because i've already adhd'd onto something else and now i have to adhd back onto this like oh yeah which i mean i will say whenever it comes to ads and stuff like that that does bother me that bothers mm. me to the point to where I will pay so I don't have to have, like, ad services. Mm-hmm. Like, Crunchyroll Premium, I pay for. Um, mm-hmm. YouTube Premium, I pay for. Mm-hmm. I had to fucking get a Peacock subscription so we could watch this film. <laughs> so I pay theater-level pricing for this podcast, so you guys mm. are welcome. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... um. Again, I am more than happy to pay just so I don't have to deal with ads because ads do break the immersion and they break mm-hmm. up what um, like just the overall experience, like especially as much as I've been watching Critical Role here lately, which are like four hour episodes. Mm-hmm. The amount of ads I would have to sit through on YouTube to deal with that shit would drive me insane. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I 100% understand where you're coming from. It didn't. It's one of those things where it didn't necessarily bother me with the Vinland Saga, but it might have just been because I remembered that's how Wit does theirs, and then since Attack on Titan mm-hmm. takes it over, it does the same thing. Because they they did it with Attack on Titan, too, with the later seasons and stuff. So I, 
I think that's why it didn't necessarily bother me is because I noticed that they did that for them. And I'm mm-hmm. very curious whenever part four drops this upcoming weekend, if they're going to include that with it as well. Mm-hmm. By the way, fun yeah. fact, Attack on Titan officially finishes next week. So mm-hmm. something to for the AOT fans that are caught up to look forward to is actually watching the anime end. Finally, MAPPA has had their hands on this shit for four fucking years, and it's now coming to an end. <laughs> Took them four years to do a final season. Part one, part two, part three, the movie, part four, the movie. I'm fine. <laughs> <sighs> I'm fine. Uh, Everything is fine. <laughs> Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. I am, uh, I'm almost done with uh scripting the next D script mm-hmm. very very close to being finished so i uh i'm gonna have to record that with brianna at some point in the near future yeah then send it to me yeah i do it it'll probably yeah. be well, it'll be between now and december because i don't foresee i'm gonna get to it with saturday's episode or episode session mm. so we'll uh we'll see but as soon as i get it done i send it to you so that way, because yeah. I'm, uh, it's not as long because I don't have nearly as much to work with as far as Walker's uh, backstory goes because he's pretty much leaving it up to me, mm-hmm. which is a problem. <laughs> as a DM, it's frustrating for him to be like, "No, no, you figure it out," because he's wanting to save it for the like once we finish Strahd and then I homebrew an entire campaign mm. for these fuckers. He's pretty much saving whatever he wants to do for that. Which, I mean, I understand, but also it's frustrating because <laughs> at least with your and Breeze, like you and I worked hand in hand in that. Yeah. It wasn't mm-hmm. just like, hey, figure it out. Like, no, we sat down and we planned that shit out for like two hours. <laughs> Until my laptop literally died. Yeah. And so and we're going to have to do it again whenever we start the campaign at some point in the near future. <laughs> oh. <laughs> By the way, at this point, the last campaign is scrapped. I still have that first episode. I might do something with it. I might not. I don't know. But I have it edited and finished. It's a thing that we'll figure out as we Yeah, we'll we'll do something about that. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm I don't know how well I could like write a film script or something like that, but these like short little VO scripts, I'm very pleased with how they are turning out. So well, you just write one scene and then do that again and then again and again and again and again until you have like 500 scenes and then you're good to go. Film script. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the problem with that, though, is that most films aren't just narrated the whole time by me just describing the world and what people see. <laughs> hey, I mean, friggin' D&D films might be. I don't know. <laughs> well there's only one of those <laughs> up to this point i don't know why this has been my chosen fidget toy for the day but here we are i'm fidgeting with a pin <laughs> i have my well my mug is the main thing that i've been fidgeting with i always fidget with my hair you probably see that all the time when we're recording mm-hmm. is like flipping it especially now that it's wet it's like <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> you know. also i have this little tiny lip balm that my dentist gave me nice yeah so that's another fidget thing it's 
brand chap ice in cherry lip balm for dry chapped lips with vitamin e it's a it's chapping season for y'all ain't it Uh uh-huh yeah everyone's a chap now (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say because i think whenever like whenever it's hot and whenever it's cold is like the number one times for lips to chap yeah i also have nivea active care for men fair enough (laughs) for men and i was trying to figure out because my mom bought a bunch of packs of these Uh uh-huh and um uh one of them had like a lighter package and another one had like a yellow package and i was trying to figure out what the difference was and why this one was specifically for men um and this one's for men because it has um aloe vera in it so men men need aloe vera it is is it just because of like the stereotype of men work in the sun, therefore like chap lips from sunburn. So therefore they need aloe vera. I don't. I don't know. Because this isn't even like here in Canada, you can get quite a lot of like um, uh, sun protecting lip balms because mm-hmm. of snowburn. So like it's a thing that you can get them um, and it doesn't have any like SPF in it. So it's I mean, it's like a post sun care, I guess. But like, I don't know, men. <laughs> If you need a lip balm, <laughs> this one's decent. All right. If only I actually used those things, I would keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, I've, my lips I've have never been, been so one bad. For, yeah, I've never been one for chap, like chapstick or lip balm or anything like that. It's just, it's never been for me. I don't. It's just because I don't like my lips feeling oily. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I I'm. Clue. I'm really bad at using them. I need to use them way more than I do. Because, yeah, I always end up with split lips. I'm like, oh, should I just use lip balm? But do I? No, not really. Nah, it's fine. I just have that one just, in my pocket. We will suffer together. High five. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, got my CT scan tomorrow. Figure out what's going on with this bad boy. Yeah, which, I mean, you're getting mobility back now. So at least that's a plus. Yeah, I can pick things up and put them down and <laughs> can you pick up a gallon of milk uh not if it's full but if it's like somewhat used yes okay so you're getting there you're, yeah. you're getting there that's a plus yeah that's that's my exact <laughs> pain bit though is like that weight weight on here like uh-huh. on this part of the wrist that's that's where my cartilage is shredded yeah. so like that's that's the worst bit but like i can hold a mug now so well, that's a plus. Yeah. And I'm chicken winging less, you know, where I'm like trying to like, yeah, uh-huh. I, still okay. have, I still have rotation issues, but yeah. CT scan tomorrow, then physio. And then, um, in about two weeks time, I go see my surgeon again. I'm like, Hey surgeon, do we like, what's going on with my bone? But my physio is probably going to already have told me by the time I get to my surgeon, because physios are cool like that. And they tell you your secrets before your surgeon tells you your secrets. So, is your physio person going to get your CT scan before the surgeon? Likely, yes. Yeah. So, um, because my sur- the first appointment that my surgeon had after my CT scan was booked was two weeks' time. But it doesn't take that long for a CT scan to be put through. I think it takes like 40 hours or something. Mm-hmm. So, um, my my physio will have access to the results of the CT scan and I will be seeing my physio in between 
the CT scan and my surgery appointment. Um, but my physio can't like tell me like they, they can't use that as a diagnostics for progression in the same way. So like they could be like, okay, so, you know, I'm going to talk to your, your surgeon about what I think that we can do next with this or whatever. But it's at the end of the day, the surgeon's call is to being like, okay, yeah, we can up your weight or increase your training in this way or whatever. But like, it gives the physio a better idea of like, are we on the right track? You know, Um, maybe introducing a couple more exercises, but like, I don't have, um, permission to do this sideways motion yet or twisting motion yet so i'm still only up and down um up down up down up, up and down. down yeah so sorry fair enough that's where we're at but my scar's looking good it's looking all flimsy which is what we want nobody wants a stiff scar I don't know anything about that. I don't have the surgery. Do scar massage so that your scar moves like regular skin and not like scar skin. Yeah, that. Do that. (laughs) Do that. Remember to give yourself your scar massages. Especially if it's on a bone. Especially when it's on the bone. And don't pay attention to if they drill that bone. If they put a hole in your bone, you may end up putting your finger in the hole and it'll give you the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I was going to say, still how's have a hole that? In my bone. <laughs> it's still there, the hole in my bone. It's, uh, let me... Uh, yeah, still there. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I just watched the look of disgust on your face. <laughs> yeah, so for context, in case you're a newer listener, um, I had a bone marrow transplant from my hip to my arm. Um, and to do that, they have to drill into your hip bone and then um, put a needle inside the bone and then get the bone marrow that way. The incision healed from that very quickly. Um, like with two days post-surgery, I was able to take off the strip. I'd only had internal stitches, so I had nothing on the surface. And within um, like a week or so, it was completely covered over and healed and fine and the scab was off and like it was like very normal. Um, so I had to do the scar massages on it. And as I was doing the scar massages, I was like, oh, this feels like really fine. Like, I don't understand why we're having to do this. And then all of a sudden my finger found where they had drilled the hole into my hip bone and just went (laughs) (laughs) into my hip. And it, oh, I nearly vomited. It was so (laughs) disgusting, uh, and horrible. Hated it, hated it, hated it. And now every now and again, I check on that to see how (laughs) the hole is growing over. Um, and it's still awful. I hate it. It's horrible. (laughs) No, it should be a flat bone surface and it's not. There's a hole in it. Oh, it was one of those things where like, I remember you telling me about that whenever you found out about it. <laughs> that was the first time I remembered to actually ask about it. Uh, yeah. Oh, Still gross. Goodness. Yep. Still uh-huh. gross. Understandable. <laughs> yeah. I just, it, uh, it never cutted it. It never occurred to me that they would have to drill the hole into the bone, which is so dumb because obviously they do. But like, I knew they used a needle. I knew they used a very big needle. And for some reason, like, it just didn't occur to me that they still needed to put a hole in the bone before they put the needle through. Because in my head, I was just like, yeah, they just put a needle in your hip. Because that's like about the extent, like they don't, when you're doing heavy surgery, they don't tell you every single step of the surgery, you know? They just tell you the general procedures of what's going to happen. So I knew that there was going to be a hip in my bone. But because I was out, there was going to be hip in your bone. There was, 
<laughs> There's going to be a needle in my hip bone. Um, but, and the thing is, is, the thing that's like really weird is the idea that like normally bone marrow transplants are done when you're awake because like they're not like a, a too invasive of a procedure. Um, but because I was having this all done, they did it all uh, at once. So I was out. But the idea of like being awake, sitting on a table, I assume they would put a cover so you can't see, but then you're just hearing a drill go like, <laughs> into it. And you just see a giant needle. Like, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, very glad oh. I was unconscious for that. Yeah, no, I I would have lost my shit if I had Mm-mm. been awake for something like mm-hmm. that because I'm already terrified of needles. Like, yeah. I don't understand how you donate as much blood as you do because <laughs> needles terrify me enough as it is. Like, mm. it takes everything in me to whenever I'm sick to go get a shot in my ass for uh, steroids. Like it, it takes everything in me to go get that done, let alone if mm. I had to have blood drawn. Oh, yeah. heaven forbid the, the doctor that has to fucking deal with me <laughs> over I that think, because uh, no. I think I got over my, I don't know if I ever really had a fear of needles, but I got over like my like discomfort with them for, from two things. One, um, my uncle who I was like most close to would see the most um, was type one diabetic is he's not dead still is Taiwan diabetic um and had been since he was like six years old so he was constantly pricking his fingers and then I was around my cousins they would like play with his needles because we were children and not like that but you know like they his blood pressure thing like they were always blood sugar glucose thing they were always like mucking around with it I guess it was their dad so they were like fucking around um and so I saw them like constantly playing with needles that way um, so I was exposed to needles a lot when I was young, but then also during the immigration process, um, I got shoved with needles. Like <laughs> they're like, "Oh, you're moving to another country? Have every single vaccine ever. Have you already had them? That's okay. You get them again. Oh, you want <laughs> like, these vaccines aren't even important? Oh well, have them anyway." So I had like, and it's it's not just over like the immigration process as well. It's also because I immigrated as a kid, I then had to have my like middle school, high school shots. But I got like four times the amount of like the other kids because I had all of the like, the Canadian government doesn't, they're not like, oh yeah, you had those shots in the UK, so we're not going to give them to you now. They're like, they just see it as a, you haven't had those vaccines yet. So we're going to give them to you. Even if like you say that you've had them, we can't guarantee that you have or the quality of the ones that you've had. Even if I, like, I was coming from England, like it was NHS shots. But they were still like, we're going to give, like you can't, you can't over vaccinate someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so they were just like, safe and sorry, take the vaccines. So every single time we had like high school vaccine shots, Instead of getting like the usual one or two, I normally had like four or five um, shots. So, so I got I got over it pretty quick. Yeah, no, I I could never. <laughs> Not for I only me. fainted one time. You. Yeah. <laughs> On the way, I went. I got my shot sh- shots, several of them, um, and then I went back to class, and then my arm was really numb. My whole arm, I think it was the MMR shot. I don't know. Um, went back to class and I was like, I'm feel good. And they're like, do you want to go back to the nurse? And I'm like, maybe. And so um, I went back to the nurse and then all the way back to the nurse. I was like, 
Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah. I was like, maybe you shouldn't have let the kid walk themselves back to the desk, you know? Pro- probably not. No. Maybe. It might have been nice to have had. Anyway, I picked myself up and went back to the desk and was like, I feel dizzy and didn't tell anybody that I fainted because that's what you do <laughs> when you're like 14. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just, you just, you suffer silently and then yeah. you pay for the consequences later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I was like, have you ever fainted and hit your head? And I'm like, yes, nobody knew. Like, <laughs> 10 years I later. I told no one. I you are actually no the one. first person I told. You're yes. welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, love it so uh, much. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's enough vanity. Let's get into the movie. Yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's. I don't know how to do background on this, so it's a thing. It's a thing. Should we? Let's do a quick. Um, uh, well, Five Nights at Freddy's is based on the Five Nights at Freddy's game franchise. I don't know when the game franchise came out, um, but oh, this God, film had I think it was like nine, ten years ago now. Like the first it's one? been a while. It's been a this while. Film... Um, yeah. Sorry, that's a. Um, that's a... This film had a budget of $20 million, and in the box office, it currently Wikipedia is saying um, $113.6 million, I assume USD, because it's Wikipedia, they don't give a shit about anybody else's dollars. American. Um. Uh, Yeah, the original Five Nights at Freddy's released August 18th of 2014. Wow. So nearly a full decade later, this film comes out. Yep. Um, it has a runtime of 109 minutes, which is, I feel like, average for a film. Yeah, I mean, standard feature-length film, that, that 100% is average. By the time you cut out credits, it's probably like an hour and 35, give or take. Yeah, and it released on October 25th in the UK and October 27th. In the US, I think Canada also released on the 27th as well, um, because cinemas are weird over here and they launch things on Thursdays. Um, Used to be Fridays, but they kept like pushing back the releases. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, um, some big names and a lot of cameos in this film. From like like Matt Pat was in it, who you're in the gaming community, uh, yeah. and he said his thing. He said the thing. He he did so, say the thing. So you had him. Uh, Corey Kenshin was in yeah. it. That yeah. was that was a good little cameo. Yeah. I'm um, very disappointed. Markiplier wasn't in it. <laughs> I know Markiplier and Jack both being in it would have been very good. Yeah, it it would have been. Granted, there probably will be an opportunity in the second film because it's already been confirmed that there will be a second one. It's already in pre-production. Mm-hmm. So that, that will come around eventually. And I mean, I understand the reason Mark couldn't be in it because he was working on his own film at the same time and he couldn't like expend those two days to go out to do it. So yeah. it's disappointing because he was originally, from what I was seeing, was he was supposed to be the original security guard in the beginning. Oh, okay. That would have been fun. Yeah. That, I mean, so as soon as I found that out, just the whole first bit, like I just imagined him in it. Being so Mark, like, I like yeah. that. <laughs> no, I'd love to see, I'd love to see both Mark and Jack be in it. Um, 
But I wonder if they will get Jacksepticeye in because then they'd have to pay for his flights and that's like a spansel. It, it's but. as much money as they've made off of this, they can afford it. They can now. For the first film, I mean, they still had a big budget, but like um, they didn't know how it was going to go. No. Especially because somewhere along the line, the Five Nights at Freddy's franchise shifted from adult content to children's content. And I don't really know how that happened, but it very much did. I think it was just like the games are still horror games. It's mm-hmm. just they got better as they had better budgets. Mm-hmm. But they are still horror games. But thanks to YouTubers, and I 100% think YouTubers are, for one, to blame for the games taking off the way that they did, especially mm-hmm. Mark being like pretty much the biggest FNAF gamer from mm-hmm. everything that I saw coming out mm-hmm. of it. So, but just because of how it exploded, YouTube is predominantly consumed by children Mm -hmm. and young adults and people in that kind of range. So therefore, if something like that takes off on YouTube and just how much it exploded because of that, they can market it to kids. Mm -hmm. The games are not marketed to kids, but the content is marketed to kids. Therefore they can market products to those kids because it's there. Yeah. I wonder how many five nights at Freddy's videos are on YouTube kids. <laughs> I don't want to even think about it. Cause like a good portion I'd bet. And, uh, and for kids, no, no, not yeah, for kids. No, People def- are dying. Definitely not. No. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess the thing about it is, and I'm not going to sit here and advocate for it because so don't construe this the wrong way. But I think if you had a family-friendly content creator, mm-hmm. I 100% think it could show up on YouTube for kids because mm-hmm. the games never actually show death. Like, there are Not. jump scares, mm-hmm. sure. But, I mean, minus the profanity of, you know, the content creators themselves, there's not really anything like crossing boundaries, at least in the first few games. Yeah, and... um. I mean, this is coming from us. Like, I was raised on Diablo, so, like, say what you will. But, like, <laughs> like I don't know. Like, like, gaming content is so much more, um, like, rated now. Like, the ratings actually mean something. When we were growing up, ga- games had ratings, but, like, nobody cared. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, I, I've talked about this before, but I vividly remember playing Silent Hill and Alone in the Dark on the PS1 as a child. And I still remember the fucking night terrors that those games gave me. Yeah. Like, I can still feel the anxiety in my chest as we sit here and talk about it. I mean, like, I feel like even things like Tomb Raider and shit were, like, I don't, I can't really remember them, but, like, I remember them being, like, not safe for kids, you know? Like, they're not, like, bad, but they're not, like, you know? Yeah, oh no, 100%. Like, they were definitely more geared towards adults, but nobody gave a shit. No, like, I like, shouldn't I mean, have been allowed to play those games, but yeah. uh, they let me. And so that's why here I am addicted to Metal Gear, because my uncle let me play the shit out of Metal Gear Solid 1. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I didn't really play them as much myself. My brother played them, but I sat on the arm of his chair telling him when his mana was low every single day. So... <laughs> Your mana's low. You need to take a health potion. Your mana's... 
Oh, you're like the, uh, oh God, the name's escaping me, but you're like the little fairy in uh, the Legend of Zelda games. Here, take Uh, this. Here, do this. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was, that was legit me um, when we were, that was legitness um, when we were kids. (laughs) Oh, it's like a little pocket fairy. Yeah. And that was sub 10. I was because we emigrated at 10 and that was in the UK. Oh yeah. We emigrated at 10. Everyone emigrated at 10. I was 10. (laughs) Oh, we were bantering about something in the Discord the other day, and Patch, the one that did the um, tea video that I sent you, mm-hmm. he was going off about something and talking about how, uh, like, <laughs> he said something about the Brits, and we all chimed in like, no, no, the Brits don't like you. <laughs> and then I was like, as somebody who has a pocket Brit, I can confirm. <laughs> So apologies for referring to you as my pocket Brit, but no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but I was like, no, it makes sense for the bit because I I have your confirmation. He's not allowed at any tea party. No, ever. no, no. He, he can't come. <laughs> nope, not allowed. Not allowed. Um. Okay. So, um, I am curious about the lore of this film in comparison to the lore of the um, games. Has um, Matt Pat already done a video on it? I have to actually look this up know. now. Because, Film's yeah. Theory. Because from my, this is, like I said, these games came out like 10 years ago. And I didn't watch through some of the later games. Like, I, I played the first couple and I watched a bunch of videos on the first couple. But when it got, like, later on in the series, I didn't watch as much and I didn't play them myself. So there is some lore that I don't know. Um, that being said, I don't know how the lore lines up with the film. The film has a very established understanding of how the... Um, animatronics came to be and there's a very big reveal and like like what happens is very established and I don't know if it entirely lines up with the video games so I'm very curious as to figure out like where everything slots in because I'm sure they would have I'm sure they I'm sure it does somehow I just well, don't know so Scott Cawthon the creator of the video games had a huge mm. hand in the film's development yeah so I would say it probably lines up at least quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I have a basic understanding of the lore because whenever I'm bored, I turn on map hat videos. <laughs> so it just, it you know, <laughs> I don't know why, but just listening to that man explain random shit just <laughs> makes the brain <laughs> emit happy juice. I don't understand yeah. why. But it's just like, he breaks it down to the point to where an idiot like myself can actually fully understand what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I'm going to be very interested to see if he does a video on it. He already has. He has? He has. Okay. So, probably should have watched that before we sat down to do this, but here we are. We can do an update next week. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. That'll come out in like three three weeks' weeks time for you guys. Oh, so yeah, look forward to the vending machine anime episode. (laughs) 
Oh, which, by the way, there is an anime about a vending machine. It's very good. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we are going to record a podcast on that soon, which will come out in about a month's time for you guys. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it'll be great. It, it's also going to be very confusing because next week's episode, I'll be telling you happy birthday. And it is, will be well past your birthday when that episode releases. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah it's my birthday <laughs> okay it is <laughs> yeah that was congratulations quick. you're gonna be old like me i know i'm gonna be on that side of 25 yeah it's fine one step closer to 30 oh <laughs> <sighs> uh, god i'm gonna be 30 in two years <laughs> wow it terrifies me terrifies me okay (laughs) from here on out i am going to chuck on those spoiler chicken hats um just for precaution i don't know how much we're going to get into actual spoilers into a little bit later in the episode but i do want to start going into some background stuff so there you go (laughs) i was waiting for it uh, I was waiting on the pause so I could do it. <laughs> I, I had my finger on the button, just ready. Just come on, give it to me. <laughs> give it to me. Um, yeah, well, big names in this. Josh Hutchison um, being the lead. Yeah, Peter from Twilight. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could have chosen any name as well and made it just extra worse. <laughs> I thought about going sourdough bread from Twilight. <laughs> I I had to purposefully like say something wrong, but I also thought about just like fully going left field. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I'm here yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, but he's in it and he's been acting for a million years because he has done stuff as a kid as well. Um, like before, before, cause he was like the biggest name going into the Hunger Games series other than J-Law, right? I don't know, man. I didn't watch the Hunger like... Games films until way after the fact. I read the trilogy, I... um, in a weekend and they were okay. And people are going to murder me for that, but like, they're just, they're, they were just okay to me. I mean, I, I can't be bothered to read the books. Like, if if I wanted to be bothered to deal with something like that, I'd just go play Fortnite. And I can't be bothered to play Fortnite either. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were, like, the Hunger Games, they were fine. They, I'm just trying to look, looking up his IMD for what he, I knew him from when we were, for like kids like i watched things the bridge to terabithia that's the bit oh that's right that's the one that and journey okay. to the center of the earth yeah okay isn't I was that like, the one with how's moving um, castle bitch what in the english version his he voiced somebody so howls had well he was real young and um no never mind i'm thinking of castle in the sky because i was just sitting there thinking castle in the sky had mark hamill in it uh markle in the english version i don't know what that is neither do i don't remember um i'm assuming just some random kid 
Coloring pencil. Let's see. Oh yeah, the kid. The um the ginger kid. The ginger kid? Yeah. Um oh shoot. The apprentice boy kid who was like an old dressed up like an old guy wizard kid boy. Yep. Um here. And so you got to remember, you you chose to do a podcast with an idiot. So we're, this is where we're at. Oh, that kid. That vibe. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, he voiced him. Wow, neat. Yeah. Um, I've learned a thing. Yeah. So... That's how we're connecting this anime. Josh Hutchinson is a voice actor. They, um, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so I was quite surprised to see him in it. But it had a large budget for a horror film. Um, trigger warnings, all of your regular horror film trigger warnings. Yeah. Just, yeah. Violence. Jump scares. Death, you death. know, the, the, the whole, you know, the whole bloody People. nine yards. Yeah. Um, God, especially that bitch getting chomped in half. I did not expect that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. Just think yeah. about it is up to that point. Like we didn't really see like any just true gore. No. Like there was a lot that was implied, but just mm-hmm. getting chomped in half. Yeah. Like that was probably the biggest shock out of the whole film. <laughs> me yeah that and then there was the like for actual gore because that was a shadow mainly um but there was actual gore when um mike schmidt josh hodgson's character wakes up and he's in is it that is is it he that him that wakes up and yeah and then there's all of the like the babysitter and her group of cronies i don't know um who who are around him and they're dead and it's going to like one person then it pans to another person and then it pans to the guy who got the mask put on Uh and so his face is the most gory because he had he had the the gears shoved on his face although they weren't gears like they're they're making i suppose they're fans like what their function is an animatronic I I don't I don't know. Like I would assume it's yeah. gears, but they were spinning so quick that they were basically saw blades. And that's the thing. So I'm like the, the most thing I could think of is like a fan with like a metal blade. Maybe I I don't know, man. Don't know. But this is where my questions come in because from my understanding of the original, like the first game, mm-hmm. it was that the animatronics see uh, the security guard. And they think that they're an animatronic out of costume and they know that that's against the rules. So they have to put the person into the costume because um, that they're against the rules. So they that's why they get shoved into the costumes. And that's only from the first game. So I don't know how the law built on that, but um, that was my first, un- that was my understanding going into this of like, okay, so that's kind of like why the animatronics do it. Turns out in the film, that's not what happens. That's not why they do the what they do. Well, but so also the, go ahead. 
No, no, go ahead. So the film was actually somewhat accurate to the whole um, like FNAF lore bit okay. of the animatronics were actually being possessed by children that were yeah. I uh, that put yeah. there by William Afton. So mm-hmm. that was very interesting. Now seeing, like actually seeing William Afton was interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever saw him out of like in true physical body form throughout the games yeah. that I can mm-hmm. think of. Cause he was always just referred to as the purple guy. Yes. But again, a lot of this is very basic knowledge from Matt Pat videos that I've watched because mm-hmm. I, again, I played most of the five nights of Freddy's games. I can tell you fuck all about the lore. Yeah. There's a lot of, I think that's another reason as to why the games became so popular is because there's a lot of hidden secrets and there's a lot of things that you can find out um, through playing the games multiple times. So they have replayability. Um, and uh, and then there was so much to dissect with the with the plots of the games and the characters in the games. So I didn't know that the kids possessed the um, animatronics. But yeah, anyway... The idea, the way that the film is executed, it's a horror film. I didn't go into it expecting much in the lines of plot. It was very entertaining. Um, It's Hold for Pipes. It's a good film. Um, It it does have a uh, very easy to understand storyline. There's a bunch of plot holes, but as you said, there's already been approved for a second film, so I'm withholding for those. Um, but yeah, my biggest thing was like I don't understand the like I get why the anim like <laughs> okay the, in the process of killing someone in this the headpiece they had um, the, the blade saws going round that they put on, like, cut up his face, right? In my head, because obviously they don't show it in the games, it was a fully functioning animatronic skull, right, that had all of the components and pieces. There was nothing extra, no sore or, like, weaponry that was hidden inside the animatronic. And it was purely the force of a robot shoving your head into something that already has metal pieces in there that was making your head explode like a watermelon. I think that's scarier, <laughs> but but I understand the need for the visuals of having the saw blades and then like the slow process. But like in my head, it was just like a no. It's like a full. It's like shoving your face into a car engine. Like there's already shit there. Your head doesn't have anywhere to go. Your head's yeah. not. Your head's going to be crushed more than the engine will. Like. Mm-hmm. So that was that was how I had imagined it going. And it was interesting to see a different interpretation of that in the film with there actually being like some semblance of physical weaponry within there, whether it just be like a, a machine fan or like whatever. But yeah, like that that was not what I had pictured the inside of it looking like. Yeah, well, the games made it imply that you were stuffed inside of the suit and therefore either crushed from being crammed yeah. in the suit. Or once they brought in the lore of the um, like spring trap mm-hmm. contraptions mm-hmm. in it, I honestly saw it a lot more as like what happened to 
Afton in the end of the film with like the yeah. spring locks, like actually going in and piercing organs like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was like, that was kind of where my head was at with it. And then mm-hmm. like actually seeing it in the films, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was like not not bizarre to me but it was just it was like one of those moments of like oh huh that's not how i like how i thought it went um mm-hmm. but i don't necessarily think it's wrong i just think it was a different interpretation to what i had in my head yeah um but yeah matt Pat makes a cameo he says the line that was really great um love to see him in there he is a huge theater nerd so good to see him doing something in the theater realm even though he's not in the theater but um phone guy is all i'm gonna say about him because i did say no i did put the spoiler chicken out on but yep phone guy um was interesting how they cut that because in the games you only ever hear him on the receiving end of the phone so his Mm. voice is always distorted i found it interesting that they cut to and from his character um, in the... So he's they had him as a, a job recruiter, like a job counsellor, career counsellor, mm-hmm. um, and he was giving the instructions over the phone um, as the career counsellor, which I thought was very interesting because it even removes him one step further from the... Um, from the job specifically, like he's not part of the company. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to see how, how they flicked back to that. I would have kind of preferred it if they had done his entire phone call with the distorted on the other end of the, the phone voice, even when they flicked <laughs> back to him, like he still has the distorted phone voice because that voice is so iconic as being part of the game. Even if they had done that for like the training video, yeah. like had him do the voiceover for that, that mm-hmm. I would have been fine with. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Because that's like, that's more of what I remember of the game than like anything else is that phone guy who you're just like, you play the game like 14 times because you're trying to get through it and, and you just get fucking pissed off at him. You're just like, shut the fuck up. And he's still going on about shit. Like that's like, it's part of the game. It's part of the thing is to be pissed off at phone guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I also, I found it interesting because like the instructions in Five Nights at Freddy's that Fun Guy gives you are so important. Well, they're how you play the game, but like they're so like iconic as well. Um, and he didn't give as many instructions as to like, he gave some like um, the breaker um, and things like that. But I would have been cooler to have gotten, because we did get some hints, like we got for the first security guy, we got the um, him crawling through the vents um like a couple of things like that we got foxy outside the door um yeah there were like there were like hints to the other games as well and things that you had to look for i don't know i'm just i guess i'm interested to see more of the film universe and to what mm. they explore further with that hmm. yeah cuz i'm i am very curious to see where it goes from here because there were a lot of unanswered questions Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know what the fuck happened to the aunt. Yes. Yep. Is that, yeah. Because I'm, yeah, yeah, they just went home and it was fine. <laughs> yeah, like just she wasn't seen again. And last we saw, she was unconscious in the middle of the living room. Well, I say unconscious. We don't know if she's dead. 
There um, was a, a shadow that could have been blood, but was left up to interpretation. Yeah. Um, Vanessa was in a coma. She didn't wake up. So that's bullshit. Yeah. God, there was so many unanswered questions and I get it. Like they were setting it up for a second film, but, but, but also, okay. So Mike has just been served a court order thing. Like you meet me at court cause I'm taking your sister shit. Sometime later, a few days later, the aunt who served him that is dead on his floor. Yep. All I'm saying is, she's Abby is probably going to a care home, which is (laughs) awful. But like, that's she was dead on his floor. He called in to report a police officer being stabbed at his place of work. Yeah, where they would probably also find at least three other bodies. Of his babysitter and then yeah. two two other two of her friends. <laughs> On top of a dude that's been crammed in a suit that was dead at the end or assumed to be dying at the very end. Yeah. Just, but did oh he? my goodness. But did he? But did he? Yeah, I don't know, man. Shit's wild. Shit is wild. And I'm still kinda mad at Vanessa because like, yeah, I get your dad's a creep, but also you just let like it's the whole thing of the whole thing of like wow he really fucked you up and that's a reason why you're not telling me to get the fuck out of here like yeah like the like I get it to a certain extent but also like just tell him you don't want this job like they're like it's haunted they're gonna come alive they're gonna eat your face off if you don't believe me give it a night like she she's like in my own way I tried to tell you well you did a shit job of it girly and like. And then, so, not only that, but Afton said that he killed his brother. Yeah. But what did that have to do with everything else going on? Because his brother wasn't stuffed into one of the suits. No. And so, how did all of that tie in to him being the one to get the job there? Is the dude at the employment agency like is he in league with afton so that that way sourdough bread was the one that got the job there (laughs) so he could like finish the trail of like going after his family like i have so many questions that i didn't get answers to but also tying that back around yeah vanessa's character i think was just poorly written agreed like very poorly written Mm mm-hmm yeah, because I yeah, it, it's the like, whole like I'm. Uh, it's the whole like um, my dad messed me up when I was a kid, which he's a murderer, so fair. But because of that trauma situation, um, I'm now like still like I'm like it's not even like a. I don't know. Like, I, it's just that it was so flat. Like, there was no depth as to why she was protecting him, as to why she hadn't turned him in, as to why, you know, she was... Like, because she clearly felt for these the kids' ghosts. And she was, like, doing her... What she considered her best to protect Abby and Mike. But she wasn't... Like, she was, I don't know, like, I I needed more to give her a reason as to why she wasn't, 
actively against her dad because there didn't seem to be like I get why she could have been like if you like thinking like oh the level of abuse or whatever is to manipulation you can get people to do crazy shit I get that but we didn't get that reason so it just kind of seemed like she grew up in a household where she knew that her dad was a murderer of children and um then let this boy and his kid sister go into this job where she knew they would be in danger and didn't do anything about it and she gave them like weak hints as to what might be a thing and then um like doesn't really do much of anything like there wasn't enough of a reason for her to be so evasive i mean not only that but afton even said he was like look i've like i gave you explicit instructions to keep him in the dark Mm. so it's obvious that they were in cahoots in some Mm -hmm. way or another Mm mm-hmm or at least he had different expectations of her. So there should have been like, in my mind, those interactions should have went differently between her and rye peanut butter sandwich. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just feel, I, I, I think that there was, yeah, there wasn't enough explanation as to, um, as to why she continued to do what she did, other than the vague hints that we were given about just, like, abuse in general. But, like, um, yeah, another, another thing, I think it was a blessing and a curse to have Josh Hutchison in the film, because he's clearly a good actor, um, has a lot of experience, and uh, can emote very well. This is still a horror film, um, with names that aren't big and people that don't have as much experience as what he does working on sets like this. Mm-hmm. And there were times when you could see him acting and his co-actor there were just not up to par with where he was at. And normally with horror films, you can kind of get away with it because everyone is of the same level. But when you have someone that has so many years of experience and compare them with someone who is still probably quite experienced, but just not to the extent. I mean, he was in one of the biggest franchises to have ever been made in recent years. Like it's, he's got vast and he's been in films and stuff since he was tiny, you know, he's got his entire life worth of experience and experience on a huge stage. And you compare that with people that may have just as much experience, like they may have been doing it for as long, but may not have just been doing it to the to the elevation, to the level that he has been doing it. And you do see a contrast of people and you're just like, you just, you're doing great, but I can tell that you're trying to keep up. And again, I part of me wonders if like who that fell on. Mm. Like, was it the casting director or was it just the script writer in general? Mm-hmm. Because, again, in my opinion, like, I felt like a lot of the writing fell flat on a lot of the characters outside of, like, Wonder Bread, his sister, and, you know, a few of the other characters. But outside of that, a lot of the other, like, main staples just weren't doing it. Mm-hmm. for me like and again i don't know if it just fell on the scripting the writing like where it fell apart 
but it was definitely a mismatch either on a skill or just storyline perspective. Yeah. Um, I do think that there, I agree with you. I think that there's something like either in the directing or the writing, I'm not sure, casting, um, that was a little bit off throughout. And I think I see it in the example of Abby Piper, who plays Abby, which is the younger sister. Um, I can see it in her a lot. I don't think she was miscast. I think she was very, she did very well for her role. Um, but you can see it in the fact that she is supposed to be like ecstatic and like so happy and so comforted by these animatronics. They're great. But like, and maybe this is just like a, it's a small thing and stuff, but like the way she would smile about it is like a kid, like, oh, like we're like, only two more hours in this car ride yay it was like she wasn't (laughs) there was something on set that was blocking her from being genuinely excited and happy and I know how it is to work with kids but like there are ways where you can get that reaction that you want out of a kid and I wonder if it's a direction issue um like because like like you can you can like she wasn't there was that level of like Freddie should turning up at her house and she's like, yay, closed mouth smiles, you know? And I'm like, I want you to like, you're, you're supposed to be like, this is supposed to be the best thing ever. And it's not the best thing ever. You don't really give a shit. And I can tell you don't really give a shit. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it too is like, it was implied that there was underlying trauma there. Like she was yeah. going to a school for, you know, kids that had like a harsh upbringing because mm-hmm. of like what happened with their parents that mm-hmm. was vaguely like hinted at going through all of that. So I'm, again, I'm not sure like where the disconnect comes from. Mm-hmm. Like there, there were a lot of really good points to the story that I enjoyed. Like I, I enjoyed myself throughout the entire film. It's just there were points where I was just like, hmm, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the kids in the dream sequences did very well. Um, oh, the yeah. kid who played Freddy, great job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the kid who played Abby did a really good job as well. I think it was a there was issues with directing with her because it was like um, sometimes she would do really specifically in group scenes whenever she was with like the other kids at schools really great whenever she um was like frightened very easy for that that was a good emotion for her did very well um but like the happy scenes she just i felt like she was bored and i'm like did you actually want to be there you feel you look like you're bored um um, yeah the the rest of the script writing Oh, especially, like, with the babysitter with Max and stuff, I feel like they could have done so much more with her because she was trying... She was on this this borderline good-bad character. Like, you can totally understand how she got there. She wants to screw people over. She got hired by the aunt. Like, she's trying to fuck them over, but also she's fallen in love with the kid and she doesn't see anything wrong with the brother. And so she's like, why am I doing this? Like, this kind of feels sucky. Like, I don't really want to be in this position, but that's never verbalized just kind of from her expression on her face that you're kind of putting two and two together that she's being led by her boyfriend or whatever into doing these things. Um, and I feel like you they could have gotten us more attached to her as a character before they bit her in half. 
Yeah. Again, it's just, I feel like the film could have used with an extra hour. Mm-hmm. Like there were a lot of things that I wanted fleshed out more from characters that we probably won't ever see again, or just things that I wanted, you know, expanded out on. And honestly, I wanted more horror things. Mm-hmm. Like I am a horror connoisseur. Like I love horror games. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of, I don't know. And I get it. It's a different medium. You can't get as invested in a film as you do games because you're not physically playing it. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know. Like I wanted, I wanted more. And granted that falls on me because as, as someone who has played the sheer amount of horror games that I have played, I say it all the time that I can't stand horror films because they're not anywhere near as good as games. Mm-hmm. But I was hoping that a film made after one of the biggest gaming franchises of the modern era would hopefully put just a little bit more effort in that area. Yeah. Um, I actually noticed that as well. Other than the original, like, security guard death in the very beginning that sets the tone for the film, the rest of the horror comes probably at least two-thirds into the film. Like, it's, it's, um, it's not, like, there's a whole lot of story that is built up beforehand that I understand why it was put in there, but at the end of the day, it is a horror film, and it's a cheesy horror film that's coming out right before Halloween. Like, it's supposed to be gory and gross. And there just wasn't... Um, as much of it as I thought. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> I sneezed. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I lost my... Well, I sneezed out my thought. <laughs> well, that's one way to do it. <laughs> it's gone now. That's it. <laughs> um yeah, anyway, and most of the horror shit came in the last, like, third of the film, and I was like, oh, well, it's a horror film, you know, we had to wait a while, but we got there in the end. But even um, then, like, it wasn't, I hate how horror films nowadays are so based around, like, how much gore can we spill? Mm. Fuck off, I'm making a point outside. Um, Yeah, I don't know, it's one of those things to where... I feel like you don't need gore to have a good horror film. Yeah, there's some amazing like, psychological horrors out there that have no gore whatsoever. Yeah, and again, the FNAF games were good, not because they had gore, but it was because you felt helpless mm-hmm. in the games. Like, there's literally no way to fight back in those games. Horror games that give you the ability to fight back kind of take that tension out mm-hmm. of it a little bit. So yeah. I I don't know. I feel like whenever yeah. they upped the like spookage in this film by like presenting real physical dangers, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, you can combat that with a motherfucking taser. Mm-hmm. And here, have two tasers, a stun baton, and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, no, like I make them feel helpless and have to overcome it with pure wits, not a bucket of water and a taser. (laughs) No, I actually agree with you on that. 
And oh, and oh. another thing, they took out the seven days thing, and like that's the whole thing of the game is you survive seven days and then you win. Like, I kind of wanted it. I wanted that more verbalized, even if it was just like, hey, if you like stay at this job for the next seven days, then I can get you an opening to this other job. Like, even if they would just like in that initial conversation of the job interview of being like, yeah, you just have to be here for a week, and if you manage to get here for a week, then. I can get this opening in this other security position, but they have said explicitly that you have to have worked at like two security jobs because he was already a mall security guy. So then it's like, oh, they say like they won't hire anybody um, unless they're like either already in a security job. So currently working or have worked like, I don't know, some loophole that you can, stupid loophole that you can make up for, for no reason that would give you that hint to the, the game of like, why does the security guard keep coming back to this fucking job? Like what's, like, why don't they just walk away yet? And that would have given incentive, him incentive, especially with the situation with the sister being like, okay, well, I, it's not just that I have to stay at this job, is that I have to stay at this job consistently for this amount of time and then when I'm done I can leave and it could be fine and it's good and it's over and it gives you a goal but this job didn't seem to have a goal and it was like and he wasn't trying to find a different job that was another that's the biggest plot hole I think for me is that like I get the fact that he was trying to find more information out about his brother and like he was having better dreams and stuff there and learning about it but like also like there was no ass like he seemed comfy in that job and like he was gonna maintain it and I'm like no, you wouldn't, though. You just wouldn't. Well, so... Uh, I feel like that didn't bother me so much because they kept the aspect of the game of the animatronics, like, ramping up every night yeah. that he was there. Yeah. Like, the first night, basically nothing. So yeah, he was, was fine. fine. The second night, that's whenever he fell asleep and Foxy poked his arm and Vanessa showed up. Mm-hmm. And then the third night is whenever the animatronics showed up and his sister had to come to work with him. Mm -hmm. And that was whenever, you know, all of that fell apart. And then the fourth night's whenever, you know, they had their big showdown bullshit thing. Whenever mm -hmm. he shouldn't have even went there in the first place, but he decided to go take his medication and go there and piss everybody off. And ugh, like it it kind of sort of progressed in that way, but it, again, like it did lose that bit of like urgency mm -hmm. of like, as why he, like I get why he needed the job because he needed to actually build up that credible mm -hmm. like work portfolio. So he could get another job. Mm -hmm. Cause it's one of those things to where if a staffing agency has to look at you and be like, ah, there's not really anything I can do for you other than this really shitty job. Yeah, because staffing agencies they want you to be able to be hired so they can make money off of your ass. Yeah, because that's true. kind of their whole point on how they're able to thrive. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was like it, it's small issues throughout. I think the movie's fine. It's entertaining. It didn't really scare me, but I tell you, when I was freaked out by it was after I watched the film. I went for a run on the treadmill. And the treadmill was making a little bit of a different noise than normal because my dad had rearranged the garage and swapped the cars over so he could put the van away for the winter and stuff. And the treadmill was making a little bit of a different noise. That scared the shit out of me. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Why is the treadmill making a different noise? That's, that's strange. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Um, so yeah. 
the scariest part about horror things is it making you scared in real life over shit. Yeah. Like, I vividly remember. Do you know about the Marble Hornet videos? No. So it was a home-style, like, docu-series made by an individual back whenever Slenderman was huge. Mm. And there was one night where I, and now granted, the Marble Hornet videos are incredibly fucking well done. Mm. Like, for it to be a YouTube series made by, like, one or two people, it's fucking amazing. Like, the level of... Like how it keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole time you're watching like five to seven minute videos. And the I I went on a like ADHD binge of watching those. This is back at the end of high school whenever I was still living with my dad. And I remember taking out the trash one night or not one night, but the night that I was binging all of these videos. And just the way the office porch light cast a shadow off of the tree, and I didn't notice it until my back was turned, and I was walking towards the dumpster, and the dumpster was like a good, like, 100 feet away, and I just saw the shadow get cast of the tree in, like, the Slender Man silhouette, and I was like, oh, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> Yeah, like my heart was ready to leave my fucking chest over that. <laughs> no, no, I'm fully with you on that. It's like, yeah. So that was me today. Anyway, is is I watched the film first thing this morning, and then um, I went for a run after that, and it was, I was especially because like when you're on a treadmill, you can't look behind you, <laughs> but the noise <laughs> was coming from behind me, and I was it was. And I had my headphones in because obviously you're like listening to music, watching videos and shit where you're in trouble. Uh-huh. I had my, had my headphones in. And I was like pulling out an earbud and like trying to look over my shoulder and like pausing my run to like look behind me and be like, it's just a treadmill. Like I know it's just the treadmill. It's just cold outside. It's on a concrete floor. Like, come on. Yeah. Put my headphones in. <laughs> we'll go running again. And then it like happens again, obviously, because it's the treadmill. So as soon as I press go, it's going to make the noise. Obviously. And as much as you're, like, logically telling yourself, like, no, it's just this, like, that's what it is, doesn't matter. Like, nope. yeah. I Once was like, your no. brain has it set in, like, that fight or flight mode, mm -hmm. it's there. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do about it at mm -hmm. that point. Yeah. Especially when you're running, is... but you're not going anywhere. <laughs> yep. God, the brain is such a silly, silly fucking organ, man. Yeah. Yeah, I've fallen down a rabbit hole recently of, like, um, mountain disasters. Like, people that are, like, climbing to the top of stupidly high mountains and then dying. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so scary. I can't believe those people are doing that. And now I'm like, oh, a stare. I can't breathe. There's no oxygen. Fucking dumb. <laughs> like, Oh, no. If I fall down this one stair, it is the equivalent of falling down Everest. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. I live at, like, 3,000 meters above. I don't know how. 1,000. How far above sea level am I? Like, 1,500. And they're, like, 8,000 meters above sea level. There is no oxygen. It's only, like, five times where I'm at. Um, I'm curious about my elevation. I was going to say, it would be one thing 
too if like you watch those videos before you go skiing <laughs> that would be terrifying let's see what the elevation is 1045 meters okay you know what you've piqued my interest too now i'm gonna now i'm gonna go look up my um approximately Well, that's like the nearest big city. From 860. Ha. Huh, I am about 200 meters higher than you. Ha. Huh, I'm taller than you. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. Oh. You know what? It's okay. It's the only time you'll ever be looking down on me. So I'll allow it. <laughs> um, <laughs> considering I was born at sea level, that's pretty high. Yeah. No. Um, maybe maybe it's moving to Alberta. That's just why you made it to as tall as you did. If you had been still back in England, you'd be closer to the equator, so you'd have been much shorter. I was closest to the equator in Toronto. Toronto is lower than England. Toronto's also on the lake, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah, like Ontario. 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 Oh what the hell? What the hell? Like Ontario? No. I don't um, I don't understand. I don't I don't get it. I don't do geometry. Nor do I. So that is the end of math. Yeah, there's no. our weekly math segment. Do 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 math. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yep. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, we toast to film well. was good. Yeah. Um, watch it. it. It's fun. It was enjoyable. Yeah. Don't show it to kids, even though I would absolutely watch the shit out of it when I was a kid. Oh, I, I 100% also would have watched the shit out of it as a kid, because again, I couldn't be stopped. You give me horror things, I watch it. Like, mm -hmm. I remember the night terrors I had over that motherfucking moon from Courage the Cowardly Dog. <laughs> I didn't like... Um, I had a friend that didn't like the Snow, the Snow White Witch. My brother didn't like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone um, because of Fluffy. I don't but remember. Fluffy what... was adorable. <laughs> when you played music. Um, other than that, it was Cerberus. I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what my thing was when I was a kid. I used to not like toilets, but that was a whole separate thing. Um... Yeah, I don't think I had any like media fears. I'm like stupid pieces of household equipment fears. <laughs> oh no, it's one of those things for me. Like media never bothered me. It was just my brain after the fact with nightmares. Mm -hmm. Like I got an adrenaline rush from, you know, playing and watching that shit. Like I enjoyed that like heightened sense of being on edge. And then afterwards I crash. Like, yeah. I never crashed harder after streaming than whenever I'd play something like Visage, mm -hmm. where I would get done and my body would actually relax, and then I'd pass the fuck out. Yeah. yeah like, no, I think I that, that night, whenever I had you legitimately worried for my life, whenever I fell asleep during your stream, <laughs> I think I'd streamed Visage or something that night, and so just... <laughs> I got into the stream and I just fucking face planted my keyboard. I was out. Red? Are you dead? He was just in my chat. I was streaming. He was in my chat. It was one of my mods as well. It was not like like a regular chatter, like one of my mods. 
And then all of a sudden, like chatting normally, chatting normally, and then just keyboard spam and then nothing. And I'm like, Brad, Brad. And like everyone in the chat's like, man, man, like, where are you? Nothing. I'm like, did he just face plant the keyboard? And it's like, nothing. And I'm like, Brad, Brad. And then I end up like getting really close to the mic and I'm like, Brad. And that woke you up. <laughs> but like, I was like, I was like, did, did Brad fucking die? Like, what just happened? Like, <laughs> Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was like, don't... and it was like ten minutes as well. Like we were like, because we were having full discussions. I was streaming normally, and every now and again, I'd be like, "Brad, are you awake yet? Like, Brad, are you yet? <laughs> like nothing. I'm like fucking died. Like, <laughs> oh, I was like, who bad. do I contact on Discord? Like, <laughs> Tree, come pick up Brad. <laughs> And that's whenever I was living in Georgia, too. So there was yeah. nobody near me within, like, three I like, hours. I was like, fucking, I'm going to have to get Jen to hop over a state and go find you. Like, <laughs> Oh, it's great. Jeez. Yeah. So much fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, do do we want to do ratings? Um, I give it a rating of it's fine. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm here with, like, a six. Yeah, six is good. It's fine. Um, I'm excited for the second film. I think it'll be very consumable. It's a good horror film to watch on Halloween around Halloween time. It's probably going to make you reinvested in the games again. It's fine. I loved um, Corey and Mapat being in it, though. That was sick. Yeah, it it brought my heart so much joy. Like for one, Mapat because he's the you know FNAF lore guy. Mm. And then Corey, because just most wholesome Christian dude on the planet that plays video games and got to be in a video game film. Like, yeah. that just brought my heart so much joy. Yeah, and I love the fact that they managed to sneak in Matt Pat saying it's just a theory. That was sick. Yep, like that that was good. I like that a they lot. They had to work for it. That script was crunchy, but they <laughs> they got it in there. Yep, I mean, if anything... I figured with the whole uh, dream theory bit, I figured we might have gotten it there, but nope. No, just on breakfast and lunch. Yep. <laughs> lunch is the most important meal of the day. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, yeah, we're we're back to regularly scheduled programming next week. Um, I don't remember what we did before Vinland Saga. <laughs> I don't either. Enjoy whatever it is. Have fun. Yeah, enjoy that. And then Vinland Saga, and then we'll be back with a vending machine anime. So, yeah. I think it's uh, Mashal. Oh, it was Mashal. Yeah, enjoy Mashal next week. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, outside of that, socials, Blues Lavenders, uh, Brad Garen VO, Brad Carter Gaming, BNB Anime, literally everywhere. Go check us out there. Um, YouTube website, BNB Anime. You'll find us. It's great. We have things. Uh, yeah. Love you, bye. Bye. Bye.